welcome back to Beyond the Veil. Today we're discussing Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest. My name's Rebecca. And I am Madison. It's creepy up in here today. Yes, we're going to get into the forest. We're finding some creepy creatures. We're having some just unicorn slaying and cursed lives and things. <laughs> unicorn slaying i i don't know why i'm tickled by that but that's exactly what's happening here <laughs> oh i have a, something i don't think it goes with anything so you know with with slaying unicorns like there's this whole thing of just like you know why you don't use unicorn blood and potions it's because it's this horrible thing to slay a unicorn how are they using the unicorn horn good question are they like deer the horns just fall off and just find them in the woods that's what that seems to imply, or that like you can remove the horn without it killing the unicorn, but yeah, but they also said it's really hard to catch a unicorn. Right. So I I don't know unless there's a unicorn breeding place. So I was just gonna think about, but that's horrible, very unethical. Can you imagine breeding unicorns? It feels like it'd be like one of those awful sleazy. dairy farms where they're like torturing cows and shit. Yeah. Mm. We don't need that. But it does explain why unicorn horn is so expensive. Oh, yeah. Because I think it's more expensive than wands. It's up there. I mean, I feel like sometimes they use, like, powdered unicorn horn. They do. Okay. So that at least, like, if you powder the unicorn horn, you know, you're using, you have more bang for your buck that way. Um, but still. Oh, yeah. Unicorn horns were sold in Diagon Alley for 21 galleons. Holy cow. Wands are only seven. What kind of potion do you need unicorn horn for? That's an excellent question. Probably nothing good. Horn in potion. I'm curious. Anecdote to common poisons, drought of peace, and a couple other things. Oculus. And Wigan the Wiganweld potion. Isn't that like a one too. Sounds like a video yeah. game one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a healing one. How did I know that? Unicorn usage should be done lightly. You should not breed unicorns in your home. Um, and like, there are other potions. You don't. We don't need unicorns. Like, use slugs or caterpillars. <laughs> <laughs> I know they are also valid. They're equally majestic. They are, but like, yes. damn, they're not as shiny, you know? Like, <laughs> Their blood doesn't look like liquid mercury. <laughs> right. That's how she- it's not as good. <laughs> yeah, everyone's mad at Harry. We've got detention. This is a, um, this is one of those, I feel like there are two kinds of chapters in Sorcerer's Stone. You have kind of like the long slogs filled with world building and frustration. And mm -hmm. then the like, boom, pow, bam, action, plot, storytelling chapters. And this is in the latter. Yes. Although there is some frustration, but we'll, we'll get to our Patronus fuel first. Um, yes. Centaurs. Ferenz is amazing. And like... I love a character who, you know, can understand prophecies, but instead of just, like, being a bystander and letting Voldemort <laughs> take over the world, he, like, takes an active role and works with fate. And, you know, he doesn't want Harry to die and instead wants to try and help however he can, which I just, it makes me feel hopeful and I appreciate, you know, 
fighting the good fight, I guess. So thanks, friends, for being a real stand-up uh, horseman centaur. <laughs> say a stand-up guy, but that doesn't feel right while talking about the centaur for some reason. <laughs> so... Um, I will agree with one exception is that I don't think that he helps however he can. He helps to the extent that centaurs can help because they are the most unhelpful creatures ever. Very true. Um, which I love about them. Mm -hmm. They know absolutely everything pretty much. They're like very, we know like for a fact they're very impressive like, um, fortune tellers. Mm -hmm. And yet they're not saying shit. And I love that. That they're just like, don't say anything to him. <laughs> we don't tell tell things to these stupid humans. Like, what's wrong with they're you? They're not worthy of our knowledge. Yeah. I agree, Bane. Thank you. They're, not, <laughs> they're like the ultimate, like, sitting there eating popcorn, watching as all the drama unfolds beings in these situations. I love how unhelpful the centaurs are. They're great. It also gives me just, like, customer service vibes. <laughs> I love this take. Tell me more. Like, I don't know which side is the customer, which side is me, but just I identify with it, of just the conversation of, um, with Hagrid of being like, did you see anything? And they're like, Mars is bright tonight. <laughs> and he's like, I was thinking closer to home. Is there anything going on? And they're like, no like mars is bright and then he's just like okay cool thank you and this other one shows up and he's like hey hey oh my gosh good i was just trying to ask this guy have you seen anything tonight and he's like mars is bright tonight <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> i see how either way like I, I it reminds me of all of these like tiktoks i've seen of stories people tell where they're trying to explain something and people will just like it's like it goes one ear and out the other and they're like trying to yeah. explain how to pay for something and people just don't understand. I had a person come in who was not, I don't know what was going on with her, but she tried to pay for a room with, first she pulled out a gift card to Baskin Robbins <laughs> and I was like, that's not gonna work. Oh man, um, I wish, but. And then she gave me a Fred Meyer rewards card. <laughs> I was like, this is also not going to work, ma'am. Oh no. It's just like, it'll work. And I was like, no, I won't. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. And I was just like in the middle of my day and I was like, I, I don't know how to handle this right now. <laughs> Mars is bright tonight. Mars is bright tonight. <laughs> oh, um, Harry and Ron. Yes, Harry and Ron. Okay, so another Patronus. <laughs> Harry and Ron, we have had the saga all book long of them having to be told over and over again by Hermione that they should study mm -hmm. and that studying is good yes. and that studying will help them. And then here we have Harry and Ron finally are just like getting into studying and they're like, they're finally starting to appreciate studying and taking things seriously. Mm. And it doesn't say anything about like, Harry and Ron finally gave in to Hermione, or, or Harry and Ron finally started trying to get Hermione off their backs by studying or anything like that. They actually did it on their own, and I'm very proud of them. 
also when I was 11 I would not have studied for any exams <laughs> so I'm impressed it's real probably the most real character growth we've seen and that we'll see in a long time I agree so, good on them it's unfortunate but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is it this is what we get yep. we you take it or leave it and I'll take it <laughs> I'll take it good fuel lots of happy moments to counter the most enchantingly nasty another another enchantingly nasty moment with someone who we're not usually nastied by but i feel like mcgonagall went above and beyond in punishing them in the worst possible ways like 50 points total like if that's all they took or if that's all mcgonagall took from them for being out of bed you know, it takes away the lead they got from the Gryffindor Quidditch team. It teaches them that their actions have consequences and it affects the rest of their house. But 150 points doesn't just teach them. <laughs> like, it's part of the reason why the entire school hates them afterwards, because this is a punishment for everybody. Like, they're in last place now. And now, on top of this... They have to go out into the forest where they could be mangled by all manner of creatures. And, like, I've never been more ashamed of Gryffindor students. Really? Never? Never? In your whole <laughs> career, McGonagall, I, you can't think of anybody who has maybe done something worse than snuck around to the astronomy tower. Like, makes my blood boil, Minerva. I wish, I wish this had been different. I'm disappointed. Yeah, like, at least they weren't sneaking out to the Shrieking Shack because one of them was a fucking werewolf and the rest of them decided to turn into other animals just to hang out. <laughs> no, like... Like, this seems mild. What this, this was much worse, obviously. I think she was trying to be preventative here. Probably. I think she saw what was happening with these kids and she was like, I'm not going to put up with this for another six years. Mm-mm. Um... She did end up putting for another six years. But I think maybe she was just like, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm getting this out right now. Um, and I mean, it worked for a little bit. Like, we see Harry being like, I'm going to keep my head down mm-hmm. after this. So, I mean, it, it it does get into his very thick little head yeah. that he needs to cool it. Because, I mean, he's been spending this entire year being like, I'm going to find out what this is. I'm going to find out about Stone. I'm going to find out about Nicholas Fumel. I'm going to find out about this giant dog. And just like Pikachuing all around the place trying to figure everything out. And yes, that's a, that's a verb. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> um, and he's finally trying to chill out. And he's trying to just keep his head down and study. So I think that it worked. But I agree that it doesn't fit, and it's extreme. Yeah. And, like, even... Because they had forgotten about the detention, and they were already keeping their heads down. Yeah. So I think even just one or the other would have been fine. Probably the points, honestly, because the detention, I don't think, really taught them a lesson so much as, like, gave them a new little trauma to go home with. Well, it gave Harry the information he needed to confirm that he does need to intervene in what's happening. That's true. Yeah. So if they hadn't gone out to the woods, he probably would have kept his head down. Right. And then... It's actually fueled it. Voldemort would have had the Sorcerer's Stone. But, okay, wouldn't it be kind of interesting if instead of the Horcruxes, like, 
you, they had to steal the Sorcerer's Stone back from Voldemort somewhere throughout the series. I think that'd be kind of fun. That would be kind of fun. Um, I'm glad he didn't get it, but, you know. Yeah, I, I'm... I feel like if I were Harry, I would not have trusted McGonagall after all of that. And I'm glad that he does still. And I feel like it's kind of lucky, considering his issues with authority already, that he's still willing to be like, we think Snape is trying to steal the stone. But, you know, I just, you will always hear me ranting about teachers being unfair in these sections. (laughs) So I have like a blind trust for McGonagall just because i love her i think Um, she's one of the few teachers who merits that yeah and so i think that i see why harry also has a blind trust in her totally and you have a note in here about neville yes poor little neville in this chapter when we start out the chapter um as we're getting the punishment served by mcgonagall then we're hearing that she says basically like I th- guess you thought it was funny that Neville heard about what you're doing and um, went out to try and warn you and now he's in trouble too and obviously Harry and Hermione don't think that's funny but Neville is visibly hurt by it and that is very sad and then Neville is like up all night crying or like sobbing I think is what it says mm-hmm. which is so sad like, he has a hard enough life already. He's got enough going on. He's had a shit And then year. to just add this on top of it? Yeah. Uh, like, it's too much. He's got... He broke his wrist. He mm-hmm. is chronically bullied by pretty much every house. Like, Slytherin, his own and house. And Snape. Yeah, and Snape. Mm-hmm. He, like... I, I just... Every corner, something awful is happening to Neville. And it's not fair at all Neville needs a break and a nap and a hug Mm -hmm. let's make him some tea and bring some chocolate yeah some CBD because he doesn't he doesn't have (laughs) (laughs) let's not give 11 year old CBD (laughs) but yes I like the direction you're going in Uh, but Neville doesn't get any of the like tea at Hagrid moments you know yeah and he needs them more than anyone yes he needs someone to just like take him and be like come here i got you it seems like he starts to find some like moments of strength and like i don't know just some little sanctuaries for himself by the time we get into like book four and book five Um, yeah but it's still it feels it feels like an unfair exchange in like when you compare harry and neville how like Harry lost his family and, you know, had to live with the Dursleys. But here at Hogwarts, in some ways, he has a pretty sweet deal. You know, he's got Hagrid, he's got Ron and Hermione, and he's on the Quidditch team. Things aren't perfect for him, but, you know, aside from the Voldemort stuff, his life is pretty swell. But Neville loses his parents, his family that he lives with, you know, they, they're not the Dursleys, but they're still not great, you know. They're... I mean, they threw him out of... Well, they dropped him out of window. Right. He's got... Like, <laughs> like... There's some issues. <laughs> it's all... He's got so much pressure. And then he gets to Hogwarts and he doesn't... You know, he doesn't get the same retreat that Harry did. And it's... Like, obviously, it's not like a... They have to have the same things. But 
I, I wish that Neville's experience had been uh, more parallel to Harry's in that way. Yeah, a little more fair. Mm-hmm. So, Akio Fandom, each week we bring you something from the fandom in relation to the chapters that makes it a little bit better or a little mental health themed. Um, this week, <laughs> we have an ASMR video that is for Ramsey's classroom, which is skipping ahead a little bit, but friends, I'll take it. Um, this is an ASMR video on YouTube that is literally what friends classroom would kind of feel like and it's just like nature sounds and like ambient classroom noises Mm. and it's just a good time it's like all of the ambient coffee shop classroom sounds you might be missing because of covid right now like multiply by adding it with like pretty outdoor park plus the sound of um runes and <laughs> mewing kittens <laughs> um, the sound of ru- <laughs> um, uh, runes being cast dice being thrown you know beautiful divination things happening in the background it's perfect because here's a little sample for your work time pleasure We'll link to it on YouTube. So at the Department of Social Justice, we have some we have some uh, issues brought to the table. To return to the punishment being doled out here, I feel like this is one of the only times in the series where I feel like Draco's my father will hear about this attitude is totally valid. They... <laughs> They're told in their note to be ready for their detention outside at 11 p.m. and that it will last until dawn. That <laughs> seems... That just bothers me. <laughs> like, Especially since that was their whole crime in the first place was staying up late. Right? Like, and staying up in the castle, which is safe. So then go and stay up all night in the forest, which is very much not safe no it's as we see it's off limits like literally this is one of the two places they're told not to go and this is where the people who are misbehaving get sent that doesn't feel right that's that i do like hagrid's response to Draco's my father with about this because it's the only time that we get like a really good response to Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. what a, a wonderful moment when hagrid gets to like stand up to the likes of the malfoys and prejudiced yeah well because like later on anytime there's like a draco and hagrid confrontation then it's very upsetting first of all (laughs) but um it's always draco just looking down on him not respecting him at all Mm -hmm. and in this case then haggard just like all right go ahead and tell your father and he's gonna tell you the same thing that you should have been messing around and this is what happened Mm -hmm. and that you gotta like do your part now that you you messed up and Draco just gets real quiet and he's like, well, okay, fine. And he respects what Hagrid mm-hmm. says. And I like that. Obviously, the situation's not ideal. But sure. I do like that Draco 
is respecting Hagrid for once. You know, I refuse to make Hagrid take any responsibility for this because <laughs> McGonagall and Dumbledore both are the ones who can also say, no, this is not an appropriate place for detention. And if it went on either of their desks, they were just like, check. All right. Sounds great. Really? I like that we have the reminder of like, it could be worse from Filch. <laughs> I'm just like, I still have those chains ready to hang you from your wrists <laughs> all night. I can do that. I don't know why that makes me so giddy with glee, like thinking about <laughs> Filch being like, ha, 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 ha. but it it just does. I guess it's because he can, you know, he, he deserves to be happy. He does deserve you know? to be happy. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means? Hanging students from their wrists by, by chains. It's, you know, honestly... It's the little thing. It's a vibe, right? <laughs> like, this is Hogwarts. We punish students by sending them into the dangerous forest at night. We can also deal with some corporal punishment. I feel like this is, you know, this is all in the same genre. <laughs> it would be hypocritical to deny one of them, so... Would you rather go into the forest at night or be hung by chains from the ceiling all night? <laughs> hmm... Like, legitimately considering. Because, like, I don't think I would die being hung from the ceiling. See, I have blood, bad blood pressure. I'm not supposed to have my arms on mm. my hand. So, like, I can't do it. So, like, I'm glad that you have the option there. I See, <laughs> we, we would be giving the students a choice. And they do not have a choice right now. And I feel like that is unjust. Do you think any of these kids would have chosen to do that rather than go into the forest? Um, Maybe Neville. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, I just... I think Draco has a little too much pride. Yeah, no, he would... Like, he did not want to go into the forest at all, but he did because of pride, so I, I imagine that... Harry's the same way. Yeah. Like, he would... Yeah. He doesn't have the same kind and of pride, still... but it still would keep him from doing that. Yeah, and Harry trusts Hagrid. Mm -hmm. Hermione, I feel like... Hermione trusts Hagrid, too, I think. I don't understand why they split up. I know they want to cover more ground, but... And also, we know that Fang is not enough to protect Harry and Ron from the spiders. So, like, yeah. why is he enough to protect them from whatever is mangling a unicorn? Well, clearly he's not, but just, you know, they shouldn't have split up. Yeah. Yeah, well, because, like, the thing is to, like, send up sparks if you're in trouble. But, like, what if they had gotten, like, really split up? Yeah. Like, they could have been pretty far away. They could have gotten totally lost. My my only hope is that maybe there is, like, that Hagrid is more in tune with the forest than we are given privy to, that he would kind of know how far away they are. It'd be better if Hagrid had been able to learn how to apparate, but, yeah, you know. That's not allowed because we hate happiness and joy. Yep. All that is good in the world, we must... <laughs> hang from its wrists must squash it down mm -hmm. deep deep down destroy it this is a weird episode arguing yeah hanging from the ceiling in the dungeon and you know customer service yelling about customer service at target <laughs> <and Spokane. laughs> honestly though this is exactly the vibe of the podcast so <laughs> at this point welcome to it <laughs> I was thinking about human and centaur relationships. And we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but um, Hagrid's role in the like 
as an intermediary between the world of witches, wizards, and mages of all sorts. Hagrid has this role where he always seems to be the like, I am going to talk to the centaurs. I'm going to talk to the giants. And um, I was just thinking about how like, and we kind of already talked, and it seems like this is something that Hagrid kind of would want for himself, like to be this sort of go between a person who can be trusted on both sides. It's kind of like the ambassador for the Mm. Hogwarts ground. Yeah. It's like, I feel like it deserves a, a title beyond just groundskeeper because it's a like that's a really difficult and really important job just like mm-hmm. in the world it's very impressive yeah how well he does it too. Mm-hmm. So we could get ahead and talk about like going and seeing the giants in order of the phoenix and stuff but um it seems like he's already done this in the forest like you said before we talked like if there's nothing in the forest that would hurt them with hagrid being there that's impressive you know Hagrid may be safe from everything in the forest because he may have like raised everything that lives in the forbidden forest (laughs) (laughs) but beyond uh centaurs you have some you have a lot of thoughts about uh the school and the social politics of what's happening in this chapter yeah so this is our first time of really seeing the entire school turn on Harry Mm -hmm. and it's like literally overnight the first of seven times Um, (laughs) Yeah, because it happens pretty much every year, if not every year. (laughs) Like, at some point, the school turns on him. Um, And that's all the way up until, like, the very end when we see the school finally, like, having its back Mm -hmm. in the final book. But um, that's way ahead of (laughs) where we're at. Um, But it starts a pattern of seeing, like, the whole school turn against him and him having to kind of balance loving the school with the school not always loving him back mm-hmm. um which is interesting um so yeah so we also are seeing um a lot of pressure from that because literally the entire school's like feelings and happiness are being tied to what harry is mm-hmm. doing um and so we've gone from him being like proud of himself for the very first time and like what one or two chapters ago whenever he won the the Quidditch game for the team where he was like genuinely really happy with himself and he was saying it was the first time that he knew that um, people liked him not just because he was famous or whatever and then now overnight all of that's gone and overnight everybody hates him and that is a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. because the whole school knows him they're all watching him and they don't know Hermione and Neville as much um and I'm sure Malfoy talked around it as being just like, well, it was all Harry's fault. So Malfoy doesn't seem to be getting all that much attention. Plus, um, I don't know if he has any points taken because that's not McGonagall's place. That would be up to Snape. And it doesn't seem like we never hear about him getting any points taken away. So really all of the blame just goes on to Harry. Yeah. Just unfair. Which is a lot yeah it's very unfair and yeah it's not cool and it's a pattern that we're going to see a lot Mm -hmm. we have hermione and neville also dealing with this and the the weight of harry's fame i love what you said in the note where you're like um 
It does show Harry the potentially negative sides to his fame, which should keep his head on straight. Dumbledore must be so pleased. <laughs> like, um, yeah, well, I mean, Dumbledore sent Harry to live with the most ridiculous people possible for his entire adolescence. Mm-hmm. Um, and his reasoning to McGonagall was, well, it's better for him this way. We don't want him <laughs> We don't want him knowing he's famous. No. And everything like that, which first of all makes zero sense <laughs> because he's gonna know he's famous as soon as he goes to right. school, and you're just not preparing him for it, and that's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's just I feel like Dumbledore's probably happy with this. I'm just like, see, Harry, it's not all rainbows over here. It's gonna be bad. You gotta get ready. Mm-hmm. You gotta <laughs> you gotta fall before you can r- resurrect yourself or whatever metaphor literally (laughs) he literally does that (laughs) one of those thanks Dumbledore for foreshadowing this also fuck you (laughs) oh Dumbledore oh Dumbledore also um, at the end of the chapter I don't know where else to mention this but we get the um, invisibility cloak back which they had left obviously it's why they got caught um, with a note that says something about, like... Just in case. Yeah, just in case. Which means that... Okay, it's an invisibility cloak. Right. It's invisible. <laughs> so Dumbledore, I think, must have been watching them. hmm Which, this is not the first time that he's been watching them in this book. Because we know that he was watching Harry look at the mirror of Erised. So he has been watching Harry sneak around at night. All year long. For months. Like... For months. He knows that this is happening. And then it just makes his attention seem even more extreme. Because Dumbledore clearly doesn't care that Harry's wandering around at night. Because he's... I mean, he literally gave him back the cloak that allows him to wander around (laughs) at night. Like... He, like... It means he knows that Hagrid has been keeping a dragon and has been relying on these 11-year-olds to help him manage this, like illegal wildlife situation and that you know that Ron literally was in the hospital wing because of it this is like this is horrific negligence (laughs) this is awful Dumbledore's acting like he's just like walking around the set of some soap opera and not like a school with children (laughs) is you know what okay Dumbledore must be a centaur <laughs> like he is so unhelpful. He does have centaur vibes. He's not. He's not. Mm-hmm. He knows. He knows everything. He knows everything, and he's not going to use it to help anybody. No, not <laughs> at all. Okay, I like that. Head cannon confirmed. <laughs> Theory: Dumbledore is a centaur. Okay, we've solved it. It's never mentioned that Dumbledore only has two legs. <laughs> you are absolutely right. <laughs> so. I don't know why we're just assuming. He could, the shoes that they're talking about in the beginning of the book could very well be horseshoes with buckles mm-hmm. on them and high heels. We don't know. <laughs> high heels? Yeah, he has like high-heeled boots. How would a horse wear high heels? Um, I don't know, but... Just like the back legs are taller. Than... <laughs> Magic. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> This image in my head. It's two <laughs> shoes, but two feet. Like two feet are in each side. 
this is cursed. This is a cursed image. <laughs> oh. okay. I think maybe we should just agree to never talk about Centaur Dumbledore ever again. <laughs> I think that's for the yeah, best. Nobody needs this in their lives. <laughs> Let's move on to chocolate with Madame Pomfrey and heal ourselves from this curse. <laughs> Um, so, albeit briefly, Harry does have a, um, a more healthy way of handling stressful situations for about a week. Um, mm-hmm. he, his new resolution not to interfere in anything that didn't concern him keeps him from, you know, following people around, even when Ron is tempting him. Um, unfortunately, this incident like all that's going on does have to do with him. It does concern him. So this only lasts for a few days before they hear Coral giving in to Voldemort's demands. Oh man. It was it was good while it lasted though, and I wish that Harry could have kept that mindset and that many people who have mental health problems with, you know, saving people always trying to be overly helpful. We could we could mm. use that kind of mindset. Yeah. I mean, he's a kid, and technically he should be allowed to carry on with that for the rest of the year. He should be allowed to to not have to worry about these things, mm-hmm. and he should be able to just, um, just study for his exams and get through school like a normal yeah. kid. But he can't, yep. so. <sighs> it sucks that he's, um, he's in that position, but at least he stops getting in trouble yeah. for some of these things because they're like okay you actually you actually did need to do this so i guess it's okay i'm imagining dumbledore telling mcgonagall what was in the back of coral's turban and how horrified she must have been oh my gosh oh uh, realizing okay well yeah it was probably good that someone was paying attention <laughs> speaking of coral um i feel like his mental health is definitely a point of concern at this point I mean, throughout the whole book for sure, but especially right now, um, mm-hmm. we just witnessed him or perhaps Voldemort through his body um, drinking the blood of a unicorn in the forest. And I can only imagine that this has been a traumatizing few weeks for Coral as the pressure from Voldemort and Snape increases all around him. Yeah. Well, and we get um, a glimpse of him at... We hear him in a classroom kind of giving in to somebody, mm-hmm. um, which Harry bets 20 Sorcerer Stones is Snape, so Harry has to pay up quite a hefty That's fee there because he's wrong. <laughs> um, but I'm assuming then that that means that Quirrell was giving in to um, being told that he needed to slay the unicorn. Yeah. Um, so we just judging off of the way that... Um, we hear him in the classroom. He's not happy about this. He's been putting up a fight for mm-hmm. it. And considering who he's fighting with, that's saying a yeah. lot. Um, the fact that he's not just like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Because we see um, even like Malfoy, like Lucius Malfoy later on with like his wand and stuff. Like Lucius, who is like the most like intense and like intimidating character really, is still like yeah okay take my one that's yeah. fine 
Um, but f- so for Coral to be like, I, I can't say unicorn, like, I, I can't, don't make me do this, then that's that's a lot of willpower. Yeah. Um, and then he's finally giving in now, so that's gotta be pretty horrifying to like just not be able to have any boundaries in your life yeah to be like and i feel like in some ways it's a having literally having voldemort's head you know on the back of quirrell's head it's a important Mm -hmm. metaphor for like because obviously what quirrell does by even allowing voldemort the chance to return is not good um Mm -hmm. but i just I can't help but feel like really a lot of pity and sorry for him. Again, not not an excuse for anything he does or the way he acts, but it, like to be in that place where you would allow somebody to cross that kind of boundary, uh, you know, to basically possess you and take up residence in your body, you know, mm-hmm. that that's not you're not like really mentally healthy if you i i don't think you can be super mentally healthy if you would allow that to happen and maybe he was bamboozled you know it's very possible but um i just i think he was probably in a real shit place to begin with and then this is nothing he ever could have imagined he never could have imagined that this is the kind of stuff he would be in for by working with someone who just promised him, you know, and you're going to be, you're going to be wealthy and you're, you know, when I rise to power, I'm going to help you get lots of money and, you know, whatever, whatever he was promised, like, yeah, sucks. I think that Coral was definitely, um, obviously not a good guy, but he was also definitely a victim at the same yeah. time. You can be both. You can both. Like that's happens a lot actually unfortunately. yeah we i think we forget sometimes that like half the reason someone like coral becomes not a good guy is like you know there are so many ways you can become a victim in this wizarding world of some kind of uh crime or abuse or other when you know in a world where children are punished by being sent into dangerous forests you know what has coral <laughs> gone through and at what has mutated inside of his soul to uh, create such a sad, strange little man. <laughs> Quote, toy story. Um, but that's, you know, I think that's the end of me feeling sorry for Quirrell, um, at least for this chapter, because he, he does suffer some more. Um, yeah, when he's murdered by mm-hmm, a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that thing that happens. That's gonna that's gonna uh-huh. be the thing. But you know, just uh, he made a bad choice, and a bad thing happened because of it. And I wish that the stupid wizarding world would not be so terrible. But there's your lesson, kids: mm-hmm. don't go making deals with dictators. No, don't because you, you know? don't. You gotta know. You, never know. you gotta know that you're in for some shit when you're making a deal with the Voldemorts of the magical world and the Voldemorts of this world, <laughs> you know? There are many. <laughs> I don't have much of an into the pensive, though. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Let's reflect. Let's have an open reflection period, because... <laughs> okay. Maybe we can find something. Yeah. I mean, we, we get so many, like, little 
things that like glimpses into the future mm-hmm. like both literally from like hints from the centaurs and just other like little things it's a very there's a lot of connections in this chapter because there's like the connection with the um like patterns with um school turning against harry um with uh, having some underling of Voldemort pop in, cause havoc, and with having, um, getting in trouble in the beginning of the year, having Neville getting tagged along into mm-hmm. things, having Draco say that his father's going to hear about it. There's a lot of things that happen in this chapter that happen in other areas too, so it just feels like a very transitional chapter. Yeah. Because we don't get any, we get like a little bits and pieces of information, but a lot of the chapters just like, I think, tying things together. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to kind of reflect too much on it because the entire, I think our entire episode was a reflection on connecting everything together. Yeah, that's a good point. This is, this is a lot of like, tying up the bows of everything that has been set up for us, but also setting the stage for literally the next six books after this. Yeah. I think this entire chapter was mainly just getting us ready to get into, um, into getting to the stone. And like, cause there were at the end, we finally got that confirmation that like Harry needs to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's a lot of just uh, info. It's like a little info yeah. dump. And it's not a lot of like personal reflecting kind of moments. <laughs> no, you're definitely right. The <laughs> the only moments for major reflection, I think, have just been in this, this customer service centaur relationship <laughs> has provided ample, uh, uh, what's the word? ample material commentary yes ample commentary for us to decipher the true role of the centaurs in (laughs) the world of the of the potter series and i'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of these last two chapters because they're quite meaty so it'll be exciting I don't know what it says about me that I connect so strongly with just unhelpful magical creatures, <laughs> but I love them. They're always my favorite because it happens a lot. There's just a lot of magical characters in like different series that are super unhelpful. I feel like there's something about feeling like when you feel in general in the world, like as somebody who is not like a major world leader or influential person, I feel very powerless and mm-hmm. these unhelpful characters like i don't know like there just feels like it, it it feels connected to that part of me cuz i i agree like i love peeves i love the centaurs i love the cha- chaotic yeah. stuff that's sometimes it's like if i can't be a, a dumbledore and you know lay change in a bigger way um i want to be the person who throws nails in the road during the Nazi parade. You know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. I think it's like um there's some sort of weird power dynamic of like having 
the ability and the knowledge to help and just being like, I'm going to keep to myself for a little bit. Totally. <laughs> Which is not great. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you got to pick your battles. And if that's not your battle, then you just got to say, fuck you. I'm going to keep chilling in the woods. Well, I will be no use to anybody if we fight every battle and like this battle I'm not fighting with Ellie right now she barks at the <laughs> Amazon delivery driver I think it's because like there's always that fantasy of like what if I just didn't have to do anything mm-hmm. right now <laughs> and what if that was like the right thing to do wouldn't that be great right? if you could just <laughs> to just not do anything and have that be the right thing but again like I feel like those roles are important too Peeves is very helpful after the Weasley twins leave and everyone causes chaos for Umbridge. True. So Love a good chaos great. demon. And there is, I, I read this um, pamphlet online about things everyday citizens were doing in like Nazi Germany to like fight against the regime. And it, it literally was stuff like leaving nails in the street and if they worked you know, if they worked for the railroad, then to work really slowly so that the trains would have a harder time getting supplies out to the tanks and stuff like that. And, you know, that may be, you know, just kind of causing general chaos and delay. It may be a really good strategy for some people. So never underestimate the power of someone working in customer service at a railroad, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> that loop everything together i have no idea we have so many loops right now we're like knitting it's ridiculous well we've knitted ourselves into a hole so i suppose we can probably seal it up before i try to uh, close any more loops because do you know who my favorite chaos demon is it's gritty oh my god nfl mascot he is an absolute chaos demon, and I love him, and I just found out that he has a Twitter and a TikTok. Oh, I gotta follow that. Are you kidding? His most recent tweet is just, I need professional help, period. <laughs> That's the tweet. That's amazing. And then he, like, replied to himself, and he's like, acupuncture? <laughs> Crystals. Tarot cards? And it's Gritty. I followed Gritty on TikTok because good, truest, most pure peeves representation we have in our world today. Well, if you have enjoyed today's uh, delightful, chaotic, strange episode, then you can join us next week to discuss chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. We are Beyond the Veil Pod. And on Twitter, we are Beyond the Veil MN. And Gritty on Twitter is Gritty NHL. Very important information. (laughs) Basilton!